Welcome to the debut episode of MMA Geeks Presents the C-Level Podcast. This is Stan Jirayev along with my friend, longtime MMA fanatic, Nick Braccia. We are here to break down and discuss UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus One, Dillashaw versus Kajudo. Did I, did I get that right? I think you got it all, I think you got it all right, hey, everybody. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Where the bantamweight and flyweight champions face off at 140, 125 in order to determine what UFC's excuse will be for closing the flyweight division. Also on the line is Kenry Cejudo's flyweight title as Dillashaw has the opportunity to put himself further into the pound-for-pound conversation by nabbing a second championship. Leading up to the Superfight main event, we have a solid card full of promising prospects matched up with savvy veterans, lots of familiar names, and several names that I think we will have good reason to remember following Saturday's card, Nick. Yeah, this is a, this is a great card, a great kickoff card for ESPN+. Plus. Um, and then shortly thereafter there, uh, is the big ESPN card. What's the what's the main event on the? It's a heavyweight fight. Is it? It's oh yeah. It's on the, uh, on the next it's one. In, yeah, the, the one that's going to be at ESPN is uh, it's Nagano. It's Ngano, um, Kane. Oh, that's a because great, Kane. That's yeah, great. Kane. Remember, speaking Kane, of sea level, Kane. Yeah, speaking of sea level, Kane. Uh, Kane kicked off the Fox uh, contract against JDS. So hopefully he has more success uh, kicking off the ESPN. Um, Do you think they offered him? Uh, like Saturday night, and he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and let somebody else take over the first one. Uh, get me down for the second one." I think with that much time off, that he, uh, you know, figured why not wait a little bit longer. But this card is uh, this card's bonkers, and I'm extremely um, curious about your thoughts with respect to the main event. And the way this podcast is going to work is that Stan and I are going to um, make our picks, um, maybe banter, perhaps argue a little bit about what we think is going to Plenty go down. Plenty of arguing to come, and. Um, and he's a you know professional level kickboxer, and I'm not, so it won't get physical. But um, and then on the following episode, we'll kind of score and see how see how we did. Uh, I think we'll likely do uh, fight win predictions as well as a round and method. Um, but to, we'll talk about the main event first. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts? I want to hear what, how you're looking at how you're looking at TJ, uh, the new the new the new trim veins only TJ. Um, you can see his organs when he flexes now. You can his see skin the is translucent. You can see his You can see his kidneys. He's got yeah, no um, against uh, against Henry. So I think Henry has made huge improvements in the last couple of years. He really has quality wins over guys like Sergio Pettis and obviously the former pound for pound king Demetrius Johnson. Um, I also happen to think that the Joseph Benavides fight should have gone his way. It should have. Um, and and those are three. Big big fights that I thought he looked great in. Um, I thought he showed a lot of uh, a lot of pro- a lot more promise uh, than even prior to that, and he showed a lot more than just his wrestling chops. Uh, he showed a more composed stand-up game. Um, I think offensively he's made big improvements. Um, I do, however, think defensively there are some liabilities there, and and, yep. and part of it is with what uh, Demetrius Johnson was able to do to him uh, with his kicking game. Henry didn't wasn't really ready for that, and and we all know TJ is certainly going to be throwing kicks if nothing else. Um, I, I think TJ's developed a, a, a more dangerous forward moving version of, uh, of Dominic Cruz's style. Interesting. Um, it, he he's he's not really moving backwards or slipping out of the way as much as moving forward. He kind of blitzes with head movement mm-hmm. and usually ends that. Uh, multiple punch blints with a kick. And again, his head is consistently moving with every strike he throws, um, so he's hard to get on the way in, which is usually kind of the downside of being a, a, a blitz-heavy uh, fighter. Um, the thing about TJ is, oddly enough, 
he's a small bantamweight. He's not a he big is. 135. And he has he's looked much better against larger bantamweights than he has against smaller guys. If you think about his his couple mm. of losses uh, in the division has been to uh, has been to uh, uh, Sun Tao, Sun Tao, which a fight I thought that he won. It was a super close fight, but it's somebody that he clearly had trouble against. TJ yes. doesn't usually walk out of fights where you can't tell who's won. Right. And against the Sun Tao, that was the case. Who, by the way, is a solid fighter. Yeah. He's standing at about five three or five four. Right. Uh, that's a hundred twenty five pound uh, height we're talking about. Here. Right. Um, he also lost to Dotson. Got his, melted his, by Dotson in his UFC debut. Yeah, and and uh, I do think the speed is a factor. I think the fact that TJ uh, has a little bit of a harder time shooting under an opponent's offense, uh, and I think he's used to punching up, uh, given his experience with Team Alpha Male, who's probably one of the smaller, uh, although probably one of the better, uh, maybe the best guy there. Um, he was probably one of the smaller guys in the gym, uh, training with guys like Faber and and, uh, and and a lot of the 155 pounders that that gym has produced. Which is saying something. I mean, you're the tiniest among hobbits. Agreed. And you're still known as the guy that dominated that gym. I yeah. think that's the big key here. Uh, I know uh, Cody Garbrandt released that video of, of him knocking TJ down. I would assume that's one of the few clips he has where he did well against TJ in the gym. Yep. I think he caught TJ once or twice. I think TJ was the better athlete um, than probably everybody else in that gym, and I think he probably gave a hard time to the much bigger men as well. Um, again, TJ seems to not have as easy of a time against a shorter, stockier opponent, um, which Henry certainly is. He's he's faster. Um, he's got the better wrestling pedigree, although I think uh, I think it's, it's a toss-up as to how their wrestling applies to MMA, especially against... Uh, each other. I'm going with TJ here, despite the fact that uh, Henry has a couple of things going in his uh, in his favor in this bout. Despite Henry's speed, experience fighting at 125 and wrestling chops, um, I'm going with TJ's footwork, arsenal of weapons, um, and I, I think that he's going to uh, start off with a fairly competitive round or two and slowly start to take over as the fight wears on, where we'll we'll know uh, with a fair bit of confidence who the fighter better fighter was at the end of this bout. And uh, Dana White will uh, sigh in relief and uh, and realize that he won't have to make up a convoluted excuse in order to close up the 125-pound division. I'll only be able to visit it in the video game from yeah. now on. So, All the more um, reason to get my... the previous UFC, right? So you think this goes to a decision? I think it's I think it's more than likely going to a decision. I, I do think that uh, uh, Cejudo's, uh, I think he's tough. Um, he's also very skilled. He's not defensively super, super uh, high level at this point, but he's tough and he's uh, and and he will stick in there. Yeah, um, I actually think this is going to go all the way, and I think it'll end up being something like forty nine, forty six, um, TJ. And the reason is, I came to this conclusion after rewatching his fight with Cruz, which I remember scoring for Dillashaw, but in watching it um, without the sound on, I was really impressed with um, Cruz post all those injuries with his movement being better than ever. And I, and he gave TJ, especially in the early rounds, some, some difficulty um, because Cruz comes at you from all angles, angles you haven't thought of. He hits you and can step in f- and catch you off guard. Um, and I think that if TJ... usually brings yeah, to the table, but is not used yes, to being on the other and, end. And, and Cruz was really, was really impressive at doing that. And I think that if, if uh, Sujudo is going to get in and be able to take... Um, TJ down, he's going to have to use angles. And when I watch his boxing and when I watch his entries, um, I see explosiveness, um, I see technique, but I unless TJ is really um, has taken a step back physically because of the drop, I see him being able to 
um, to sprawl, to push off. I don't think that uh, Henry's going to have a massive strength advantage. Um, so I see TJ moving around and essentially winning a point kickboxing fight um, whilst, while keeping, keeping his distance, um, keeping Sujudo off of him. Um, and land, you know, and landing shots. Uh, I think he he's going to essentially saying that TJ will will do the Elias Theodoro, that he will do the Holly home to to beat Henry Cejudo. Yeah, I think that he. Right. I think that he will. I mean, I think he's going to. I think that I just think that the only way that I see Cejudo winning is if he can catch TJ off guard um, with angles the way that Cruz did. And I just don't think that his his footwork isn't bad. His boxing isn't bad. It's amazing for how long he's been doing this. Agreed. But Cruz, I mean. TJ did okay with Cruz, and Cruz is the best at it in the world, maybe. Yeah. So I just don't, I just don't see him getting close, and I don't see him having, you know, TJ has to protect against the takedown. Uh, Sushido doesn't have Cody Garbrand, like he's not going to get a. Fl- I doubt he's going to get a flash KO. You know, unless like, the weight cut is really unless the, warm and, and that's the, that's the unknown. You. And I gotta believe the dude's been doing it long enough. Ludwig knows what he's doing. They've been ta- they had a long time to plan for this. They've been dropping weight over time. I, and TJ's not that big of a guy, so I think I think he takes a decision forty nine forty six. Um, you know, it could it could go the other way. I mean, the other thing is that is as impressed as I've been. Um, with Henry, it wasn't like it wasn't like he blew Mighty Mouse out of the water. Like Mighty Mouse got hurt in the fight. It was extremely competitive. Um, but he was else. he was technical and consistent. And most of all, he did what all great fighters do. Um, he showed incredible composure because he turned his foot or ankle twice in the very in the first minutes of the first round. And I, I thought, actually think that was because of, uh, of the DJ's kick. low. Yeah, it might have been. It could have been the low calf kick. Those um, have kind of a short term effect. It seems like if you can just get through those, uh, maybe a round and a half. Yeah. Um, seems like you're okay after that. But if you've lost to a guy in the first round before, Agreed. and you're 20 seconds into a fight, and you and don't have your you. leg, you yeah. don't have your leg, and you can, and you're, and not only that, you're, it's, it's, t- it catches you off guard in such a way that you're letting your opponent and everyone watching at home see it. And You're to be right. able to get your composure and come back from that and win the fight, I was—I'm extremely impressed with him. I just don't—I um, just don't see this fight going his way. I agree. I, I think the composure uh, Cejudo showed throughout those five rounds um, is going to be a boon in his favor. I think TJ's weight cut will be a big factor. Um, if if it's a terrible weight cut, he might be—he might get clipped. Having said that, Henry has one knockout in over five years. Right. Um, he's not exactly known for his power punching. I guess we'll see whether his stand-up game has really uh, gone up to that point now. Um, so we've got the same pick for the main event. We'll talk very briefly about the about the, the co-main event because it's really not worth talking about. We've got um, um, the not so great guy Greg Hardy um, in his first in his first UFC fight, That's right? Putting it kindly, yes, um, yeah. yes. The not so great guy Greg Hardy gets co-main event status because of his uh, his history as he's an NFL player, correct? Uh, yeah, um, former NFL player. Um, and he'll be taking on um, Alan. a really talented guy that the yeah. NFL was willing to let go. That's how badly, how bad of a dude he is. Yeah, he he, he had treated these women with domestic abuse and, and what have you. Yeah, yeah. I prefer the the classier, more martial arts uh, approach to the sport. At the same time, cage fighting. It's, it's cage fighting. Yeah, there's we're, some. There's we're some. gonna have some. Occasional. Occasionally, there's gonna be some terrible people involved, and he's one of them. So right. he's been given a very very favorable matchup here. He's got this raw athleticism, this strength, and I think the expectation is that he's going to overwhelm Alan Crowder uh, quite quickly. I, I would go as far as to say some despicable matchmaking. I think this should be on the undercard. 
I, I absolutely agree. I, I, I absolutely don't understand what this has, uh, what business this fight has as the co-main event, especially since they're not using Greg Hardy to market the event. They can't, right? They can't, They, they don't correct. want this to be a especially topic of conversation. With yet on yet the they card. put this guy as a co-main event over over guys like uh, Cerrone, over, over uh, people like Gregor Gillespie, a legitimate prospect. Yeah. Joseph Benavidez is a top two or three flyweight throughout his career. Or even Paige, who's been a, uh, you know, why not give the rub to Ostevich, who's overcome, who has a great story overcoming tremendous odds, as she was the victim of domestic violence recently. Um, and she's fighting Paige Van Zandt, who is a, um, a celebrity outside of the octagon and has also co-main evented cards before. True, but given their records, given I'm their not records, sure they deserve to be the main event I, of a local oh, I, show. I agree with that. But I think they deserve more than Greg Hardy. <laughs> oh, agree. No doubt. No doubt there. No doubt, um, no doubt. So our, I think my pick there is, is going to be Hardy and one by KO. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick his opponent, Alan Crowder. I don't know much about him except that Justin Willis uh, knocked him out in the first round uh, of, of Crowder's UFC debut. But yeah, I'm going to go ahead and root for this guy and uh, and. Uh, and knowing that that Hardy will probably mow him over in the first round. Yep. Um, Next up, we've got Gregor Gillespie, a, a very legitimate prospect at 155 pounds, facing off against Yancey Medeiros. Um, this is an interesting one, if only because we've got one of those uh, aforementioned veteran versus young, hot, blue-chip prospect fights. Um Gregor happens to be really small for the division. And yes, he used to fight one division up at 170. I would expect that this is going to look like a bit of a mismatch, but it's actually going to be a mismatch in the complete opposite direction. What are your thoughts, Nick? Well, Yancy also fought at 185. Wow. So he's a big... I think you're right. He's a big Hawaiian. Um, you know, going back and watch... Medeiros is a brawler. He's a good... You know, he's got he's got good kickboxing... Uh, he, you know, he moves forward. His defense, his defense isn't great, but he likes to, he likes to draw people into. Uh, Can I just make one small question? Yeah, yeah, sure. I happen to think that he has absolutely zero defense going. He has zero defense. <laughs> he has zero defense. But he's got, but his, but his offense isn't, isn't bad. He gets, in, you know, he's had some. Uh, I agree. He's had, he's had some serious throwdowns with like-minded Brazilians. Um, Agreed. But I, this and is. And he's come out on top somehow. Against, yeah. Against the uh, big odds. And I against against uh, Cowboy Oliveira, right? That's right. And. Uh, I think this is. I wouldn't. Don't know if I quite call this a gatekeeper fight because Medeiros is coming back down to the the division. Um, I don't know that I call him a gatekeeper at 155, but it's a test for Gillespie because he's fighting a big dude who can strike, and he's had a a very uh, singular strategy. He stays low. He's got sick level changes. He's got great chain grappling. Uh, really technical positions. He's an extremely elite grappler, and um, and that's not Medeiros' strong suit. He got submitted by Jim Miller, if I recall, uh, you know, quite quickly. That was several years ago, but he doesn't have a great jiu-jitsu defense, and Gregor is going to put his head down, get low to the ground, and grab a leg. And I there's the chance that he could catch a knee or catch a hook going in, um, but if that doesn't knock him out, the same way that, you know, once Khabib gets inside and grabs you, if you don't knock him out, you can hit him. But if you don't get that KO, you're going down and you're once probably not going to get you. back up. Yep. Um, what, I'll, what I'd like to see is as small as Gregor is and as big as Yancey is, can he find, you know, can he find that neck before Yancey tries to get up? I, sus- I suspect you're looking at a, a Gillespie top control uh, throughout the, uh, the majority of the first round, maybe to the tune of a 10-8. Um, and then maybe midway through the second round, Medeiros finds himself in the same position and gets, you know, gets gets choked out. Would be my guess. 
Uh, I'm actually right there with you on this fight. Um, I, I think it's funny how the UFC treats uh, prospects in, uh, in sometimes very different ways. A guy like Alexander Hernandez, they're going to throw right into the fire. Uh, yeah. With you know, with his first three bouts being against some some pretty solid high level hundred seventy five oh, yeah. fighters, uh, then you've got a guy like Gregor Gillespie who's who's got the opportunity to go through guys like Glacio Franca, Andrew Holbrook, Jason Gonzalez, Jordan Rinaldi, Vince Pichel. These are not uh, these are not tomato can opponents, but these are not exactly uh, top level guys. There's no Donald Cerrone on that list, uh, and here they're giving him Yancy Medeiros who. Quite frankly, got smoked by Cerrone in his last bout. Um, interesting how they're treating those two prospects in, in, in this very, very different way and actually the same weight division. Um, I think Gillespie should have this fight. Yancey Medeiros always has a shot because he's got heart and he will not give up and he'll keep fighting for as long as he's conscious. I'm not sure that he'll stay conscious throughout the fight. I think Gillespie gives him reason to tap or go out. Um, uh, I guess a TKO finish might be a possibility uh, right. on the ground, and I agree with you. I think it's going to happen after he's had a chance to wear uh, uh, Yancey Medeiros out. Yancey's got a lot of heart, so it's, it's going to take for him to be pretty exhausted before he's likely to be finished. Uh, Gillespie being the smaller man will probably ride over to his 13th consecutive victory, and hopefully we can see him uh, go up against uh, a, a more a more challenging uh, uh, opponent, not necessarily someone someone that's likely to blow him out of the water, but somebody that can really test him where he needs to be tested. Yeah, a solid wrestle boxer. Exactly, I'm with a, experience would be great. Right, I'm a big I'm a big Gregor Mark, big fan of his. I love his style. I love that they're giving um, a very grapple forward guy a shot. I just I wish that they had given him uh, a sprawl and brawler here to, te- to test him a little bit more. And Yancey, like this isn't a very favorable fight for him coming down to 155. Like in Medeiros, they've got a dependable. Lighter weight Joey Beltron, true, and and they should get. <laughs> I think they, he's significantly better than Joey. And Beltran. they get, yeah, well, but, well, but, I, but I, yes. I mean entertainment quality. Oh, true. Like, true and so story, yes. so he should he should be he should be fighting guys who are going to bite down on the mouthpiece. He's never going to he's never going to be in the title picture. Um, he should be fighting guys that that are really really thrilled uh, to throw leather. I agree. Um, you know, at this, at this point in his, in his career, I think that's best for him. I think that's it's best not for, about whether yeah. or not Yancey wins. It's about whether or not the fans win when he fights, and they usually do. Yeah, but I, I have the feeling he's going to be on. Uh, he's going to be on his back in Brooklyn. I think that's likely. Uh, next up, we've got uh, consistent top three flyweight Joseph Benavidez facing off against the recently much improving Dustin Ortiz. Um, I, I think Dustin's actually had a little bit of a renaissance where uh, at some point a couple of years ago I've kind of uh, lost hope in him and decided that he's not necessarily improving very much. And, and, and in his last couple of fights with, the, with a couple of clean knockouts, uh, he's suddenly shown the ability to, to crack. It's almost like he's gone from only throwing punches in order to get into the clinch and, and get into a scramble game where he, where he, really, loves to, uh, uh, where he really loves to spend, uh, spend the majority of his fights. Instead, now he's actually punching to hurt you, and and clearly it's working. Um, I I I, do, I don't necessarily like the matchup here against Joseph Benavidez. Benavidez is, you know, for for any doubt that I had about him getting old, I still think he's getting old, but clearly not uh, quickly enough to be losing to guys quite like this. Uh, Joseph showed us in his last bout. Uh, against who was it? Uh, Alex Perez, who I was pretty high on, that he can still beat up a bigger, stronger guy who's 
quite frankly, been looking pretty darn good leading up to that fight, um, despite his loss to split decision loss to Sergio Pettis in 2018. Um, I think Benavidez is going to take a somewhat, uh, it's going to have some competitive moments, and Dustin might have a moment or two in which he which he looks good. He might even uh, hurt Joseph uh, standing up at some point, uh, but I expect Joseph's tenacity and, and, and his just complete lack of ability to, to take his foot off the pedal to, to, to overwhelm Ortiz and uh, and win him a pretty decisive decision here. Yeah, we've been we've been watching Jiu-Jitsu for 10 12 years now. I mean, and he and you think back to his fight against Cruz and he gave he gave Cruz a real run in WBC. Absolutely, both times, yeah. Um uh he's just a terrific fighter. I think I think he's going to be too much. He he makes great he makes great adjustments. Um I sus- I I I don't think this goes the distance. I think that um in the third round he catches he catches Ortiz, uh, clips him, and secures the RNC, um, and, and gets the tap. I just think I think his experience is going to overwhelm Ortiz. I also think that for as long as Benavides has been in there, hasn't really taken that much damage. That's actually a very. I think good about point. ten to twelve, ten to twelve years of fighting, and how many times he's gotten really touched up. Sergio Pettis isn't known for like crazy power. You hit him a lot, but I mean, think about how many times right. you've seen. You've seen him rocked. He got caught by a perfect shot by Mighty Mouse. That's right. Um, which he didn't see coming. And that, you know, those catch you on the chin. That's going to happen. That was happen. Like five years ago. Jeez, wow, time flies. Time flies in the fight game. Um, but he just hasn't got. yeah, he hasn't gotten beat up that much. I just think he's, uh, he has not um, been in the wars that Jim Miller has been in. You know, I so I think that he's got a and little Jim bit Miller, more stamina. Jim Miller, quite frankly, was never as good as, as Benavides. But, I, but no. I agree with you there. As, as two guys that are kind of uh, deep into their career. Yeah. Same I also think Miller was in a much more competitive weight class uh, for the vast majority of his career. Absolutely agree. Fighting, no you know, fighting a lot a of monsters. Um, so I've got I've got Joe by submission in round three. I also do want to mention quickly: Joe lost uh, prior to uh, beating up Alex Perez. He lost to Sergio Pettis yep. in that in that competitive, but I, I thought Sergio d- deserved the decision. I did too. Um, and I thought that he lost to Henry Cejudo. Uh, who's obviously in tonight's main event. So, again, th- I do think there's reason to to come to the the, the conclusion that he's getting a little bit older. Yes. Um, he's he's not a uh, he's not a young man now. He is 34 years old, and for flyweight, you know, where speed is uh, is integral is, is 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 kind of everything in that in this division. Um, I think I think it'll uh, make a difference. I just don't think it'll be enough of a difference for him to lose to to an up and coming Dustin Ortiz. I, I think you're right. I mean, we look at two guys who are also not not. I don't think much older. You've got Ian McCall and Zach Makovsky, who are kind of nowhere to be found in the True. in the mix right now. Both out of the UFC, who were not old. Uh, I guess McCall had a little more mileage. You know, really competitive guys who find them find themselves out of the division out of the UFC. Um, let's talk about the women. We've there's two uh, two fights. Uh, to talk about the one on the main card is uh, Paige Van Zandt against uh, Rachel Ostevich. What do you think about this? Um, I think they're two kind of mediocre fighters who are attractive and therefore are getting this uh, this platform. Um, I, I think that Rachel Ostevich has some decent fundamentals. She throws a lot of jabs. She she falls up with a pretty solid right hand once she gets the jab into her opponent's head. She doesn't really move her head on the way in, though, as she comes in for that jab. And her being on the shorter side for the division, I believe she's 5'3 or 5'4, um, she, she can't really afford to have her head stay in that center line as she lunges in with that jab. Um, Paige is 
not really great anywhere. I I, th I think that it's been a while since Paige Van Zandt has looked good in a fight. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jessica Rose Clark she clearly lost to uh, two of the clearly, three and they didn't give they didn't give Jesse Jess. Uh... Uh, who I think was training with Syndicate at the time, enough credit for that fight. They talked about oh, Pay they talked. <laughs> she 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 outworked her everywhere and broke her broke her wrist. And they gave and they all they did was talk about how tough Paige was. I agree with you there. Actually, <laughs> Just, I, I, I watched the fight earlier earlier today. That's totally totally unfair. So, I've got nothing so against Paige Van Zandt, but I'm but I'm a big fan of, of Jessica Rose Clark, another There's female fighter who dealt with some domestic violence uh, against her, who who came back strong. Um, very cool and a good, very very good fighter. She's moving up in, in weight actually, um, but pa yeah, I'm pa I think Paige wins this fight um, probably by ugly decision based on her athleticism. Um, that's my that's that's my guess, but I don't I don't think uh, there's going to be a lot of tight technique in this fight. Uh, I, I I actually think Rachel Ostovich is an overall better. She's got better technique. I think on the ground she's better. I think she mm -hmm. takes a little bit too many chances, and instead of focusing on positions, she'll tend to go for submissions, which then lead to her losing top position, which is really I think where she should be. Uh, uh, I think where she's at her best. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I I'm gonna pick Ostovich here because I okay. think it's a pick 'em. Um, I I I just feel like Paige Van Zant lost to Just Girls Clark. Lost to Michelle Waterson in first round submission. Those are good fighters. Um, true, I, I totally yeah. agree with you. Beck Rawlings, she did knock her out, but she was getting she was getting beat up. before the absolutely yeah. before that jump before that jump switch kick. And Beck Rawlings is also kind of known for tiring out as the fight goes on. Um, Rose Namajunas is obviously the the, the best uh, the best 115 pounder in the world, and and she lost to her by by pretty dominant uh, fifth round rear naked choke. Going five um, rounds with the this at the time soon to be champ though is. You know that's that's a that's an experience builder, uh, no doubt about it. No, no no doubt about it. But it was an experience of her surviving. Like yeah, the girl oh, has heart. Yes. Uh, does she have the skill to compete with somebody at a high level? Absolutely not. I, I think the question will be answered as to whether or not she has the skill to compete with somebody like Rachel Ostovich. I think it's a pick 'em fight. I think they're, they're I think they're close. I think mm -hmm. that Rachel's got some a lot of positive uh, a lot of positive thoughts and words coming her way recently with Definitely true. With, with the publicity of her domestic violence uh, um, allegations against her ex or, 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 or what have you. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Rachel. I think momentum mm -hmm. is, is ever so slightly in her favor despite her 4-4 record. I think that if we compare their records over the last eight fights, they're actually uh, a, heck of a, lot, uh, a heck of a lot more similar than they look now mm -hmm. at 7-4 versus 4-4. Um, so again, a, a slight edge to Rachel, who's got a better jab, better fundamentals, and I think if Rachel gets top, uh, if Rachel Ostovich gets top position and and is smart about positioning, she can take this fight. Uh, otherwise, uh, Paige Van Zandt can scramble her way to a uh, feisty decision here. Yeah, I think Paige wins the decision. I also think that we need to consider the fact that Ostovich is coming off of uh, from that horrible assault, um, a broken orbital orbital bone. And it wasn't that long ago. I had forgotten about that. It was actually. not that long ago, and it does not take a lot if you've got any semblance of a jab. And I think Paige does a little bit um, to touch that up. I don't, you know, it's, it's a horrible cool. thing to think about, but she is getting in the cage short, like only a few months after having her orbital bone broken. No doubt. Um, so it'll be, I, regardless, I don't think that the Sage and Paige show turned out to be quite what the UFC wanted no. to be. Um, Although, but, if you ask me, Sage actually had an overall better UFC career 
up until he left and, and actually showed himself to improve. I think he left with, uh, being on a three or four fight winning streak. I don't think I don't think Paige Van Zandt is a good fighter at all. I think she's mediocre at best. Um, yeah. I just think she's pretty and social media friendly. And well, she also has a Uriah Hall approach to striking. And I don't say that to marginalize Uriah right Hall. Um, in that she she um, throws a lot of low percentage flashy stuff. I mean, yeah, that, she, she she throws those spinning back elbows. She throws, she throws that jump switch kick. That's that's that, that, that is feel, fair. I just feel like you're right. is so much more athletic. And so oh, he is, and I, I didn't mean that as a as, no, a, as I mean, a dig on him because he he's been able to pull it out. But the he doesn't have uh, you know he doesn't have a lot of volume, and he takes a lot of high. He does a lot of high right. energy. High impact strikes. I mean, sometimes they work. You know, ask Gregor, ask Gregor Masasi <laughs> about and, that. And, ask who did just you know, just knock somebody when, out the other day? Who did who did hold? Um, hold he, his... he just had a comeback knockout against I think a UFC debutant who uh, who was. Yes, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was he was dominating the fight, and then and then Uriah Hall Uriah Hall him. Which which again is something else they have in common. That's actually a a good comparison there, uh, Nick. Is that they both when they do win, they do it by coming back. Yeah, lately it seems like uh, Paige Van Zandt's days of of out decisioning completely and overmatched opponent are over since she's fighting decent opposition now. Uh, but but yes, very very good point there. Okay, so I'm taking I'm taking Paige by decision. You're taking Rachel by decision. I'll take yeah Ostevich by decision, even though Ostevich seems to always find a way to lose, and Paige tends to find a way to win. Um, I'm I'm gonna root for Ostevich, who's uh, who's maybe got a little bit of positive momentum going in life in the last couple yeah. weeks. I, I can get behind that. Um, I do want to say it was it was Bevan Bevan Lewis, uh, Lewis. Uh, John yeah. Jones training partner that Uriah Hall just had a big uh, comeback knockout win over in the third round. Yeah, Lewis looked really good until that moment. Um, so the rounding out the main card, um, and then we'll zip through the preliminary card. Uh, Glover Teixeira against Carl Robertson, uh, who's a replace a late replacement fighter, a uh, local guy. Robertson is a, a Glory and Friday Night Fights veteran from Neptune, New Jersey. Uh, seven and one striker, um, fighting the much more experienced and well traveled thirty nine year olds now, Glover Teixeira. How am I four years older than Glover Teixeira? Some, is, some of these guys look way older than that. Me. That, man, that man looks like he could be your your uncle, and not your father. <laughs> True story. That's funny. I, I, yeah, you don't. It's the MMA miles on on a guy like Glover. Yeah, he doesn't look. And, he doesn't look nog old, but he looks old. No, but he, he's got almost thirty five bouts, and the yeah. last fifteen or, or or so have been against some pretty high level competition. The last ten or so, he's been getting kind of roughed up, even yes. in some of those wins. So the man yeah, has a lot of miles. Gus has boxed his ears off. Um, no doubt about it. And he had four and a half rounds, I think, or five and a half rounds to do it. Uh, not not good for Teixeira's long term viability. So, what are you what are your thoughts on how this one plays out? Um, I, I I think that as much as Carl Robertson, depending on what his career trajectory is, again, this is by the way, I do want to mention another prospect that's just getting kind of thrown to the fire. Granted, this is a last minute uh, uh, matchup, and and I do get that. I I have to wonder a little bit. What the thought is, I realize that Teixeira's chin hasn't been looking great lately, but Jack Marshman, uh, you know, he's, he's not Glover Teixeira. Cesar Ferreira is, is a lot closer to Glover Teixeira as far as the stylistic matchup goes than uh, than uh, uh, Jack Marshman. And Carl Robertson, as as we saw, he got taken down in the first round. The very first explosion that Robertson, that, that Robertson had where he threw away, I believe it was a cross-hook attempt, um, Ferreira ducked right under it, took him down, Slowly passed to mount, slowly got that arm triangle choke, and uh, and and finished them off in the in the very first round, the last fifteen seconds or so. So 
Teixeira's got all of the skills to do the exact same thing to Robertson here, especially on short notice. Uh, I will say, though, Robertson's striking coach, I forget the man's name. He was, he was very nice. Uh, is actually the coach of, uh, of my last opponent. And, uh, and he, he, in his corner was uh, Corey Anderson. Mm-hmm. He's got some affiliation with that, uh, with that uh, Ricardo Almeida team. Okay, uh, in New Jersey. I, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he spent some time with Mark Henry. With Mark Henry, right. Uh, but, but, but I have my doubts since Henry's usually in the corner of his guys. Um, he clearly has some good guys to train with. He clearly has some good grapplers to deal with. Uh, I believe Nick Catone's gym uh, yep. is, is, is another one that he's affiliated with. Um, I don't think it's enough against Glover Teixeira. Can Robertson, a very heavy hitter, uh, catch him in the first round? Yes. If he doesn't catch him in the first couple of minutes of this bout, I expect Teixeira to uh, to clean up, to take him down, to to pound, to control, and in the in the in the first to in the in the late first to 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 middle of the second round, uh, should be able to get a submission here. Um, there's always a shot that Teixeira's chin fails him here once again. Uh, I'm gonna go with the veteran on this one. So round one or two, just so that we're. <laughs> uh, oh, officially, I'll, I'll say round. I'll say round two. Okay. I'll give, I'll give Robertson a, uh, a moment to survive. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say round one. I mean, Robertson's path to victory is to keep Glover at the end of his jab, keep him off of him. Glover is a t- is a tough dude. Watching his, his uh, Robertson's uh, kickboxing matches, I wasn't I wasn't impressed. Um, with his power, like I didn't, I didn't not think impressed enough for, not impressed enough to think that he's. I mean, Glover's kind of a golem. He's kind of. It takes a lot, you know. He, I mean, yes, he did get melted by Anthony Johnson, but so would Thor. Like it's true story. Like Anthony Johnson. Like he doesn't. Uh, I don't. I don't think he's that. The thing he is is slow. So the only way that he loses his fight is, is if Robertson uh, dances around, point kickboxes him, uh, and lights him up. Um, for three rounds, and Teixeira is not able to get him down. Teixeira can lean on his wrestling, which is which is not bad. His size, if he gets him up against the cage, if he gets on top, I think I think he gets a, uh, a triangle arm choke. Um, probably, I say at four minutes of the. I'll get real specific out of the minute. Four minutes of the first, I think Glover chokes him out. I agree, and, and I think something I just thought of here that should be mentioned: Carl Robertson lost. Um, in his UFC debut to Cesar Ferreira, yes. who's fought as low as 170 pounds. Carl Robertson, by the way, is an, a national 185-pounder. He's coming up here to fight Glover at 205, yeah. which is another factor here. He's fighting a bigger version yeah. of, of a man that he recently lost to. Um, one question I think that's very important to this conversation. Um, what would be the odds in a bout between Anthony Johnson and Thor? <laughs> I think they would be... Well, it depends. If Thor, if Thor flies to Brazil and learns a rear naked choke, I think I would give him. I would well, give him I, like I, minus two hundred. Fair, but if you're going to give Thor that, <laughs> if, if you're going to give Thor that kind of advantage, that advantage then, then I'm going to yeah. give Anthony Johnson a, a hammer. Or something. Okay, I, I, I think it's a magical hammer, mind you. <laughs> um, so uh, we we've got the uh, the undercard to deal with here, and I think we're going to breeze through these a yeah. little bit quicker since yeah, uh, since despite there being some good, some good fights. Uh, so you t- you take the lead on the first one. So we've got Donald Cerrone versus Alexander Hernandez, uh, another gritty, experienced veteran going up against a hot blue chip prospect. Um, Alexander Hernandez has made good on on his couple of UFC fights thus far. He went in there against guys that, quite frankly, he has no business competing with given his overall experience let alone beating, uh, Benil Darius to knock him out in the first round, to know that the right thing to do against a guy who's very skilled, who's very savvy, um, but has a but has a tarnished chin, is to put that early pressure on him. 
um, yep. and, and, and essentially get his chin while it's cold. Uh, I like his forward pressure style. I like that he knew what to do against Benil Daryush and against Olivier Aubin Mercier, which I may be saying wrong. Um, he, he, he took also a pressure approach, but it was more of a wrestling pressure approach. He, he pushed him up against that cage. He was happy to play uh, Mercier's game and beat him at it. Yep. And and uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier used to fight at a weight division up. He used to fight at 170 and he was one of the stronger guys there for uh, for uh, excuse me, for uh, Alexander Hernandez to, to, to look that good uh, against that savvy experienced uh, of, of, a, of, a, of an opponent who and beat him with his own style. I'm impressed. Um, I think he's got a lot to offer this division in the future, whether or not he gets the victory tomorrow night, uh, Saturday yep. night. And we've got Donald Cerrone, who's 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 just the the old school veteran. He will take any fight anywhere, anyhow, uh, which is part of the reason he doesn't didn't mind taking fights against guys like Darren Till and Leon Edwards, which obviously did not work out very well for him. Uh, the thing about uh, the thing about Donald Cerrone is that he's got a couple of very specific styles that he will struggle against. He struggles against southpaws, and he struggles against pressure fighters. Worst case, uh, he's going up against a guy that has both, like yep. uh, like uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. And we, we, we know how those fights went. Darren Till is a southpaw. He, he's, he's a bigger man, and he's a Much pressure bigger. fighter. And he blew... Cerrone out of the water in the first round, and Darren Till doesn't exactly do that to a whole lot of guys, quite frankly. I know, I know, he hits hard. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily do that to a whole lot of guys. Uh, Leon Edwards, um, not uh, not a guy who necessarily throws a whole lot, so less of that pressure style. But he is kind of a bigger guy uh, who's who's uh, who's got the southpaw advantage uh, that that Cerrone seems to struggle against. I'm going to pick Hernandez here. Okay. I think his pressure uh, will be enough to 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 take this bout. So by decision. Um, I'm going to take him by decision. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think that um, I think that Mike Perry beat himself against Cerrone. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Cerrone fan, but uh, Hernandez is young, hungry, talented, athletic, and just less miles. Um, so I'm going with I'm going with Hernandez also. Um, the next bout, really briefly, uh, Joanne Calderwood, the Scot, against the Brazilian uh, Arian Lipsky. Um, pretty even fight. I'm just gonna I'm just going to pick. Um, I'm going to go with, with Joanne. She's training at Syndicate. She really impressed me in her last fight where she uh, came from behind. She was on the bottom. Uh, she was getting beat up, and she caught a submission, not something she was known for. I mean, she seems mostly to be a kickboxer. I believe boxer. that's her first submission in her career. Um, mostly be a kickboxer, but I, cre- I credit it. That's Kalindra Faria. Yeah, I credit it to the, the great training at Syndicate where, where, Roxanne, where Roxanne Mataferi trains. Um, it was, you know, she kept her composure and she, and she found a, she found a, an area to exploit and, uh, and closed it out with just a couple seconds left, uh, via triangle. So I think that, um, I think that she does the same thing and she finds, I think that she finds a way. I think that right now her mindset's great and she'll find a way to win. Um, I'll pick her by, I'll pick her by decision. Um, I think that there's a big difference between Kalinda Faria and Ariane Lipsky, just just based on a couple of bouts that I've seen of each of them. Um, I think that Ariana is an aggressive, offensive uh, fighter. She hits very hard uh, for a female in the 125-pound division. I think she's every bit as big as Rose. I'm going to give her the edge here. Uh, also, is it confirmed that Rose has switched to Syndicate from uh, Farazahabi's uh, TriStar? That who has? 
that uh, Rose Namajunas? Or I'm sorry, not no, no, oh, not Rose. Rose. Uh, we were talking about oh, uh, Joanna. Joanna, yeah. Oh, Joanna. Last I saw, Joanne was training in um, in Vegas with Syndicate. Good to know. That's actually quite. So a I don't know. If, I don't know if she's jumping around. I, just, I see on social that she's training with Roxanne a bunch. Good to and, know. And was training for with Roxanne before this fight. I'm gonna say all the more reason for me to pick uh, Lipsky here because uh, I, I think just anytime uh, somebody goes to a new camp, there's usually an adjustment period. I'm gonna yeah. go with Lipsky, who hits hard and is more athletic than uh, than Calderwood. Than Calderwood. Um, okay. What do you think, uh, real quick, about the light heavyweights, uh, Menafield and Morera? I'm going to give Menafield the edge over Vinicius Alves Morera. I think Alves is an, uh, kind of a, a unathletic grappler. He doesn't really have a great takedown, but once he does get on top, he does well. I think that uh, Menafield will keep him from getting a takedown, land a big right hand, and end the fight uh, in the first half of the bout. First round or second round? First half of the bout. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say first round. First scorekeeping. Okay, I'll go with the second round then. Keep it interesting. Um, with Mario, but a bantamweight fight, Mario Bautista against uh, Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen wildly favored here. I see no reason for him not to be. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Sanhagen by, uh, I say by TKO in the second round. Uh, I'm I'm with you there. I'm going to give San. I'm going to pick Sanhagen in the first round. I'm a big believer in this kid. I think he's a serious, serious prospect, and I think it's good for his career to be fighting uh, Batista over Lineker. Uh, Batista is kind of a mid-level uh, local fighter, decent, but has a lot of growth ahead of him. Corey Sanhagen by uh, TKO in the first round. Yeah, Lineker has a has that crazy like Deontay Wilder power. Where, and for where some the, reason, the Deontay can... Wilder's length of arms too. Yeah. How is that possible at 5'3"? <laughs> I, I don't know. He's, Insanity. He does look ridiculous. But he's, man, what, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. I hope I never have to like fight him in a in the Warcraft. Um, <laughs> so uh, the lightweight bouts, I, I, I would take, uh, I think, Dennis Bermudez to, to finish um, in the second round against Tijovan Edwards. Um I think by TKO, Bermudez has been on the 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 wrong end of more close split decisions um, than anyone I can think of. Ones that I, I think he won. Um, so I think this is a get right fight for him. Even though he hasn't really fought poorly, um, he's just you know unfortunately snatched defeat from the jaws of victory a few times um, in the last in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with you on this one. I actually just changed my mind about this bout as we uh, sat here talking about it. I just think that Tay Edwards is young. I think he came into his UFC debut and got embarrassed by a very, very impressive, I'm sorry, I have to mention his name, um, by a very impressive Don Match, who looked ridiculous, another prospect that I've got my eye on. Um, I think I think that Bermuda's not having gotten knocked out in a, in a couple of years is a boon in his favor. I'm hoping he can take a shot from Edwards if he needs to. And uh, they're very similar styles, with Bermuda's having kind of that, that, that pressure and UFC experience advantage. I'm um, going with Bermudez here as well. Yeah, I thought he beat Elkins and and Andre Philly. I thought he I thought he was on the other end of some robberies. I don't remember how I felt about those decisions, uh, but uh, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm I'm gonna give a lot of credit to you having said that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, then round we have uh, welterweight Bilal. Remember remember the name. Or remember my name. Remember uh, the, I think it's remember the name. And Bilal remember that I couldn't remember his name. And, and I'll be honest, <laughs> you certainly couldn't remember his nickname. And, and I'll be honest with you, the, the nickname does kind of help you remember his name. Oh, enough. definitely so does. Very effective. Yeah. Um, uh, Bilal I can't Muhammad. say I can't say just Bilal Muhammad. I have to say Bilal remember the name. Or, I guess, I, I guess yeah, you do. Or, you do have to put that in there. Either uh, just remember the name or the, or yeah. the full thing. Uh, I'm picking. I'm picking him to go over Jeff Neal by decision. 
I'm I'm also I think Jeff Neal's very talented. I think he's got a lot of power. But Muhammad he's he's again a crafty veteran. He's been in the UFC. He's beaten guys like Tim Means mostly standing up, which says a lot. Um, despite the fact that Neal is faster and hits way way harder, I'm gonna give the uh, edge to Bilal Muhammad here. And what are your thoughts on another welterweight bout? The kickoff bout: Randy Brown versus Chance. Uh, how, what's this guy's last name? Chance uh, Rencontre. 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 Uh, at least I think that's how it's pronounced. I actually think that uh, Randy Brown, for undisclosed reasons, we're assuming Usada had something to do with this here. Randy Brown was actually pulled from the card, even though he's 100 healthy. And we've got a replacement in Kyle Stewart. I forgot about that. I, I don't know a whole lot about Kyle Stewart. Um, I, I did do some research on uh, on uh, uh, Country, and I wasn't impressed with what I saw. I think that he absolutely needs to be on the ground to have any measure of success. I think he's very unathletic. I think he's slow. He's a fairly big guy for the division. Um, even though he's, he took it on, on, on days of notice and he's coming in from Arizona, I'm going to give Kyle Stewart uh, the, the edge here and, uh, and, and literally just looking at his record of 10-1. 11 and 1. Good enough for me. Also, he trains with Arizona Combat Sports, which is a pretty pretty solid team with experience behind it. Yeah, that was the um wasn't that like the Bader Aaron Simpson team? Yes, the original yeah. team before they, were, they before yeah. they uh, uh left. The the the, the Lolly Twins. Dalway was Dalway out there too. He was. Yes. Uh, at one point he was. Long yeah. time ago. That's before, before those guys became much better fighters. Right. They were with that team and then they switched and did their own thing with Aaron Simpson and became significantly better fighters, which actually makes me feel like maybe uh, Kyle Stewart could use better training. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pick uh, chance by decision. Cool. I'm gonna take a chance on chance. I, I like um, it. I like the pun. So that's uh, we will we will um, accumulate our scores on Saturday night, and then uh, we'll kick off our next show, um, and one of us will be able to brag over the other one. I actually think you might have the edge in, in this in this particular event, Nick. I I, I have this feeling, uh, this lack of confidence that that tends to pull through for me. In life. Uh, actually, I saw the odds before we recorded the show, and they have me at minus one twenty. This is uh, Nick and Stan, the MMA geeks, uh, with the Sea Level Podcast, uh, signing off of, uh, from our first episode. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.